Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, February 18th edition of Bang the Book Radio. My name is Adam Burke, your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we go over all kinds of things in the world of sports from a betting focus. Happy to have you with me here as one guest joins me for the full show. That is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We'll chat with him about the NHL for tonight's card. We'll talk about the NHL trade deadline, which is coming up next Monday. We'll also talk two golf events this week the WGC down in Mexico, and the Puerto Rico Open, this week's alternate event for those guys that aren't in the WGC. Then we got NASCAR to talk about here in Las Vegas for this weekend. The Boyd Gaming 300 is the Xfinity Series race, the Pennzoil 400, the Cup Series race. I'll preview both of them over at bangthebook.com, and we'll talk about the Cup Series race here on today's show. Over at the website bangthebook.com, where we are your one-stop shop for sports betting news and information Lots of great stuff. I wrote up a couple of college basketball previews for you for tonight. Dayton and VCU, Robert Morris and St. Francis PA up in the Northeast Conference. So a couple of previews for you to check out from me. Daily NHL from Parker Michaels. Updated NBA power ratings from Noops. We'll have a golf preview from James Mazzola for the WGC Mexico. We'll have NBA coverage once that rolls back around. And I'll start unrolling my MLB season win total team previews on Wednesday, probably with the American League. Thursday, get out the National League and all the future stuff at that point in time. Then the PDF likely coming out either Thursday or Friday with all of my stuff all in one place for the upcoming 2020 Major League Baseball season. A lot of good information in there. I'm going through and doing the final edits on the win total previews. Plenty of stuff going on over at bangthebook.com with that MLB guide, my labor of love coming up later on this week finally as you know this and every edition of bang the book radio presented by our friends over at dsi sportsbook btb and the number 200 is that promo code 100 deposit match bonus for the sportsbook 100 deposit match bonus for the live casino at bet dsi it's only a game until you bet it one guest our jack of all trades here on the show that is brian blessing the host of sportsbook radio and vegas hockey hotline Brian, how's it going today, man? It's Tuesday again. It's Tuesday again. I'll tell you what, man. For as slow as January went, I feel like February is flying by. It's well, say it again. You, you what was the date? Yeah, February eighteenth. Yeah, March Madness. Yeah, a month away. The, the first four <laughs> games, I think, are the first two of the first four games a month from yesterday. Selection Sunday. You know, obviously a couple days before that. Conference tournaments start March 3rd for some of the small conferences. A lot of them, I think there's 13 the first week, 19 the second week. Then it's March Madness. And then I guess you get a little bit of a breather, right? Semi, sort of, yeah. I mean, the nice thing is uh, I got weekends back to a degree now that football's over. So I get a, a little window, right? Wait, wait till... a minute. What do, you, what do you mean football's over? You're not watching the XFL? I get weekends back because football's <laughs> over, and uh, and then you know I get the sep- when August hits, it's seven days a week until usually now. So yeah, yeah I'm loving life a little bit. I, but I mean, you know, what am I doing? I'm mean, sitting around, I'm you know watching golf on the weekend or golfing actually a little bit. That's a cool thing, but uh, mostly watching golf and NASCAR on the weekends. Yeah, we'll talk some hey, college hoops. By, by the way, you mentioned it. I know you, you mentioned uh, you did a write-up on Dayton. I think there's a, a cool college basketball season with a lot of different names in there. You know, how good is Dayton? How good is San Diego State? Um, 
I think it's going to be interesting uh, to see. And I think the Big East, I think there's a clump of teams in there. I, I think somebody, if not a couple of them from the Big East, make a run. And they're going to be three, four, five seeds. Well, speaking of the XFL, we will talk about that on Wednesday's show with Wes Reynolds. But circling back to the college basketball thing real quick, you did a video for us over on our Bang the Book YouTube page uh, about some futures odds for the national championship with a focus on the Big East. Big one tonight between Creighton and Marquette. I know Marquette is a team that you like a little bit uh, from a futures standpoint. But San Diego State is an interesting one to me because there was a very big discussion on Twitter uh, with former Circa odds maker Matt Lindemann, good friend of mine, talking about San Diego State, talking about, you know, kind of where he has them power rated right now. And they're much lower for him than they are out there at most of the ranking sites. And that's probably a testament to how weak the Mountain West Conference is this year. No, that's absolutely true. Well, I mean, it's going to be one of these things where, um, you know, Gonzaga at least has been there and done that. But you're, you know, okay, Gonzaga is a great team again. You know, they don't play anybody for the better part of three months. And San Diego State's in, in the Mountain West, and the odds are pretty high. Uh, they'll cruise through the Mountain West tournament. I mean, you, you never know. I mean, basically, for them – uh, the games at the Thomas and Mac will be road games because everybody will kind of embrace the underdog role. A lot of people will be watching San Diego State, man. I mean, that's, you know, they, they don't win that Mountain West tournament. That's going to that's gonna scoop somebody good out of the tournament. Obviously, we'll have a chance to talk about this later, but do you go to any of those conference tournaments? There's, what, five of them in Vegas, I think? I have in the past and haven't for a while. But I am going uh, to the Mountain West tournament this year. Um, the, the mostly going to go to some of the uh, early in the week, and I think Thursday you get like the four games. Going to go to go to Thursday. Some friends are coming in for that, uh, so I'm going to do that. But I've I've gone many times over to Orleans. I mean the venues are great. Pac-12s at the MGM. Um, you know I don't know, man. It, it, I think it's a function of getting old, and I, I've, I've been to so many games, I get as much out of it watching it on TV as I do being at it. Well, as we all know, at your core, you're a hockey guy, so we'll transition to talk about that here with, uh, well, you got seven games on the docket here for Tuesday night. Smaller card than what you and I have had to talk about most of these Tuesdays where it's been, you know, 9, 10, 11 games, something like that. But like I said, seven of them tonight, only a couple big favorites, Montreal at Detroit, uh, Detroit going to face a lot of, of very big favorites uh, the rest of the way here for them. And then St. Louis against New Jersey. Uh, the Blues laying a big number in that one tonight. Anything tickle your fancy for tonight's uh, NHL card? Yeah, yesterday was weird. Um, had leans on games yesterday. Um, and the, they didn't go right. But, you know, it, it, but it was like nothing with conviction. So... You know, being patient, especially on the hockey board, I think uh, is wise. Um, but today, yeah, there's several. Uh, I would think Toronto-Pittsburgh would go over the six and a half. Toronto is an absolute abomination in their own end of the rink. And Pittsburgh's been a remarkable story with all the injuries they've had. Now you throw Zucker into the equation and, you know, in the short term, the first three, four games after a trade – uh, I look for a guy like Zucker to go off a little bit. I, I think that's a high-scoring game. Uh, the other one, I like New Jersey and St. Louis to go over. And the rationale behind that uh, was, you know, first of all, the everybody's hope is that the person, Jay Bomeister, is okay. Uh, once they got by the shock of that, they played the 6-5 game in Vegas, came home, 
uh, and lost 4-3 to Nashville, but then played Nashville again the next day. And that's the rare home and home. The next day, they know each other. They play it closer to the vest. But to me, the two games before that last Nashville game are really telling that Bo Meester, the hockey player, isn't there. And St. Louis has issues in their own end because of his absence. Uh, and, you know, they got a bunch of weapons that can score. So And Jersey's, Jersey's fun, you know. I mean, they're going nowhere fast, but they can score. So, uh, And you get a deflated total there. I think that should be six and a half at six. I, I got to say it. I mean, the, the best bet on the card, I honestly believe, is Buffalo tonight. Um, there's, you and I were talking before we went on about trends and, and something we talked about, and you had some numbers that fly in the face of an angle that I, I've been printing money on this year, and I, you know, uh, that was teams returning home from the long road trip. But for I'm telling you, for the better part of 15 years, when Buffalo and Toronto play at home, they're high-scoring games. When Buffalo and Toronto play in Toronto, they are low-scoring games. This year it went 3-1. and one. Both games in Buffalo were track meets. One game was 2-1 up in Toronto. One game went over. Uh, so, and, and the other thing was Buffalo, their season was on the line. As crazy as it sounds, you can say it's over already. Uh, but the bottom line, with the game in hand, they pulled within eight of the Leafs, can get to within six of the Leafs, and now the Leafs actually play a tough schedule. The Sabres get Victor Olofsson back, who would have given Kale McCarr a real run for his money for Rookie of the Year. Kid's got 19 goals, and he missed like five weeks. Uh, he's probably going to still end up being a 30-goal scorer, but all of a sudden, the power play for the Sabres, and they're actually circled the wagons. In. Oh, by the way, Carter Hutton, minor details, stopping the pucks. He went winless in an 11-game stretch. Had he played 500 hockey, the Sabres are right there at the, in the playoff race. But Hutton's playing better. But the big one, Adam, is another longstanding angle I'm sure we've talked about over the years. You fade the home team. By the way, when Buffalo beat Toronto, their big rival the other night, the first thing, every guy out of every guy's math, Ottawa, Ottawa. I mean, Ottawa beat them a couple of weeks ago. They blew games against Ottawa and Montreal, or they'd be in a much better position. But they immediately talked about Ottawa. We're not taking Ottawa lightly. They already beat us. But Ottawa... They are doing a pregame ceremony. The game usually starts at 7.07, what, 7? 7.08? And they're doing a pregame ceremony. It's a retirement ceremony for Chris Phillips. The game will not start until 7.52. So what happens is the two teams come out, the two teams warm up, and then uh, the pregame ceremony starts. And likely the uh, Senators will be, after warming up, Standing out on the ice for 10, 15 minutes while Chris Phillips' banner goes to the rafters and the Sabres are riding the bike, uh, punching walls in the locker room, and and the visiting team on ceremony nights is always the play. And you're only laying 10 cents, 15 cents with Buffalo. Yeah, I like that one. I was going to mention that about the uh, Chris Phillips jersey retirement ceremony. And, you know, I think that does help Buffalo probably a little bit here, especially to, you know, that nice win over Toronto. I think sometimes we kind of expect letdowns after those rivalry wins, but I think it can also be a building block, in particular for a team like Buffalo that, I mean, every game is a playoff game for them the rest of the way now because of the situation they kind of put themselves in. So they've got that urgency. They can't overlook anybody. And as you said, it seems like maybe Kruger has kind of drilled that into them uh, with regards to this game here tonight. You mentioned, you know, we've talked about that first game back angle. I thought it was very interesting that Parker Michaels, our resident NHL expert over at bangthebook.com, sent this over to me here today, that teams playing their first home game after four or more on the road Eastern Conference teams are actually 16, 
six and one in that first home game. The West, though, 23, 17, and four. And if you take Anaheim out of the equation, who's five and oh, that angle is 18, 17, and four. So you're getting a lot of favorites at home in that first game back. And they've actually wound up losing, you know, about as many games as they've won. So it's been pretty good in the Western Conference, not so much in the Eastern Conference here. I'm not exactly sure what the reason would be for that. But Anaheim 5-0, and kind of the outlier there out West, as the rest of the teams, you know, have lost 21 of 39 in that first home game back. I'll take his. I'll take Parker's word for it. I but, it, but what's amazing to me, I mean, I there's no way. In fact, somebody just asked me the other day uh, about the outdoor game. I said, you always play the under in the outdoor game, uh, and, and I I do the, the hockey betting podcast. Uh, you can get it on my Twitter. I put it out today. Or today's card will be on my Twitter with Cam Stewart. We were, I just blindly said to Cam yesterday. The outdoor game. I'm guessing. I'm, you know, good for Parker. He, <laughs> like, I, I just, I, you know, I, I go off my head. And I, and I said, how many under games, Cam? You think since Pittsburgh and Buffalo played at Ralph Wilson Stadium in the snow? What do you think? Twenty-ish, fifteen, twenty. He goes, yeah, fifteen, twenty. I said, okay. I said, I'll bet you it's fourteen and six to the under. Well, sure enough, somebody looked it up and blah blah blah. There have been seventeen games and it was twelve and five to the under. And the the anomaly in those games is if it's a sunny day, the goalies at the glare, the goalies can't see the puck. That's happened two or three times, and a couple of the games went over. But the majority of times in the outdoor games, you've got weather conditions sometimes. You don't know how the ice is going to be holding up. And the bottom line is the game's a dump and chase game, and you can only score off faceoffs and power plays. And we just saw Colorado and the Kings play a dead under. So that's one that we've known about forever. I, the only thing about the first teams home from the, the four-game road trip, the only one, I swear to you, the only one recently I can remember, and I said, I'm in, I'm, I'm doing it, was I played Ottawa plus 275 at Colorado, and they lost 3 nothing. It was Colorado's first game home. Well, the other night, Calgary just got home, first game home from a five-game road trip, and the Ducks beat them 8-4. Vegas has come home three times from long road trips and got mauled in every game. I don't, you know, I don't know. That, that, that angle's been putting a big smile on my face all year long. Florida, so, first game home off the long road trip. Uh, came from a four-goal deficit in the third period to beat the Bruins. Went back home, played somebody crummy, and got killed. I don't know. I mean, and the majority of them, uh, what I would say to you, are significant plus prizes. Because the belief is, oh, the, the team is home. They're, and they make them a, a juicy favorite. And... You know, it's just a massive distraction. I mean, honestly, I'll tell you right now, um, here Pete DeBoer talked about it after the, the Vegas game coming home. Uh, that, that first game's brutal. It's just, you know, there's it, and, you know, it's everything we talked about. We're not reinventing the wheel. But the nice thing is when they're plus prices, even if, they're, if, even if it is, I, I, you know, I, I can't believe it's that close to 500. But if it's that close to 500, but the ones you're winning are plus $1.70 all over the place, you're still way ahead. Well, the thing of it is, I mean, look, I, I, there's obviously confirmation bias. When, when a spot works out, we remember it. You know, we, we sort of circle that spot. When it doesn't work out, it's just kind of almost dismissed in passing, you know? And I'm not saying that you know, we're trying to mislead anybody here or anything like that. It's just confirmation bias is a thing. When something works out as you expect it to, you very much remember it. And I definitely remember last week on Thursday with my college basketball situational article, I think I had like six or seven games in there. I think every one of them won. And I remembered that. 
you know, and right. I still remember but, but, that. But, but, would it, but, but, but wouldn't you say that you were shocked to hear that from him? Oh, absolutely. Because, no, wait a minute. Because you and I, we've been doing this. We do this every Tuesday. We've been doing this for God knows how long now. How many times this year do you say first game home from a long road trip and it won? I mean, I'm no, telling I, you, the, the only one I can remember losing is the Ottawa one last week. Right. No, like I said, I mean, I, I completely agree here. And, and to bring it to a couple of other angles that we like to talk about, and once again, thanks to Parker for mentioning these to me. Carolina's on their mom's trip here. It's a standalone road game, oddly enough, in Nashville. Now, not a bad place for the moms to go, obviously. I love Nashville, one of my favorite towns in the country. But Carolina's got the moms on the trip tonight, so that's an angle that we've obviously talked about quite a bit. And also, I guess New Jersey's got the dads on the trip this evening. Oh, oh, oh. Kind of interesting around the trade deadline. All right, hold on. Hold on. Now, that's good. Thank you. Now, Now you're talking. That's the hardest part about it, is finding out. Finding it, yep. All right, now, uh, the dad's trip. Jersey, all right, hello. I mean, I, like I said, first of all, uh, I think that's a high-scoring game, and that'll uh, I'll take a little flyer with that. Um, you know, at St. Louis. Well, I like the over even more now because that's the kind of game they play. But the mom's trip, danger, danger, danger. Mom's trip ain't anything like the dad's trip. Yeah, they, the if if the if the moms are there and the team loses the game, the moms come on, cut to the chase. We all had a mom after the game. Oh, honey, you played you played a good game. It, it it'll be okay. If the if the dads are there and they get pumped, what's wrong with you? What'd you do? You played like crap tonight. I mean, the dad's trip's way better than the mom's trip. Yeah, well, the moms will be good and liquored up, I'm sure, here with the game in Nashville oh, the, tonight. So the moms are going to have a lot of fun. They're going to have well, a blast. That's the thing. I don't know if they're going to care about the outcome of the game. No, well, the moms are going to have a good time. I'm just saying the the, the players, for whatever reason, the, the, the mom's trip is not as uh, results-based information, not as successful as the dad's trip. Well, you mentioned uh, St. Louis and Nashville having that back-to-back, that home-and-home Toronto-Pittsburgh, they play again on Thursday, but they play in Toronto for that one. Columbus and Philadelphia, they'll play in Columbus on Thursday after playing in Philadelphia tonight, where Philadelphia is actually a pretty substantial favorite in that game. But we've got that rapid revenge, the home-and-home type thing there between those two teams. So, again, even if you're not going to make a play on Columbus-Philadelphia or Toronto-Pittsburgh tonight, still want to file some things away for that rematch on Thursday. And, oh, by the way, how big is that game? Uh, You know, you're sitting there. These are the two wild card teams, a point apart. You know, Columbus is in free fall at the moment. Uh, Flyers are playing pretty good, but all of a sudden, the Islanders are dropping like a rock. Uh, Carolina, still a pretty solid team. Florida's the you know annual train wreck at this time of year, to the point where Buffalo and the Rangers, you know, there's some light at the end of the tunnel uh, with you know, whatever, 22 games to go. Some of these teams are falling apart, and that's what we talked about is in this league, one good 10-day to 2-week 10 to stretch, and you climb the ladder. One bad 2-week stretch, and you're off a cliff. And that is absolutely the case here. And at the timing couldn't be more insane because the trade deadline is coming next Monday, and we're already starting to see some deals. I mean, the deals I think you've seen now are the teams that are, you know, they're they're making the Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, 
they're making the moves that they deem are are the moves to go for the cup. Now, there's going to be the army of teams that are going to make the moves to make the push just to get in to have a chance to win the cup. This is going to be a crazy week. And injuries are everywhere. Yeah, injuries have been a big, big deal. I know that's definitely been a sticking point for a lot of people out there. Three deals completed here so far this week. The Islanders got Andy Green from the Devils for David Quenville in a second. Tampa Bay got Blake Coleman for a first and Nolan Foote. Then the big Tyler Toffoli deal last night for Vancouver. They give away four pieces for Toffoli from the Kings. I like the deal for the Canucks, and I like to see the Canucks being aggressive here too, where they're having a nice season, but now they're going to try to build on it, where the Pacific Division is pretty mediocre, I guess I would say, but they're still trying to fight off Calgary and Arizona, who are playing very, very well. It's a low ceiling, but a lot of teams that are pretty interchangeable in the Pacific. I I like Vancouver making a play here, making a play early on. And obviously, you're watching this division closely with Vegas. You're very much in that trade deadline discussion themselves. Well, Vegas, the last two years, they were all in trying to get Eric Carlson, just missed getting him. So then they gave up a first, a second, and a third. Got Thomas Tatar and Ryan Reeves in the first year at the trade deadline. And last year, swung for the fences and got Mark Stone. There's no reason to think they're not going to be a major, major player again. And uh, a lot of talk about them wanting to upgrade the blue line. But they're to the point where, uh, you know, if they're going to get a guy who's a difference maker, it's going to be a name player going the other way. Vegas is very, very interesting. And for a team that really I just seems to have kind of been treading water all year long, they're 9 over 500. They're in the weakest division in the league. And not playing their best. They're tied for first place. And they've got to fix the third line and upgrade the defense. And honestly, if if you look at the West, to me, I think Vegas, you would deem Vegas the class of the West, of the Pacific, with Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, Arizona. Uh, And then St. Louis, good for them. Uh, Coming back, no Stanley Cup hangover. They're, They're tough. Dallas has the goalie. I like Colorado. I think they're the matchup nightmare, but now Rant, uh, Rantanen's got a broken collarbone. They've got injuries. They've got to get Kadri back, but when the playoffs get here, I think Colorado's going to be the beast. And I will say this. Uh, watch out, because every year they were in the discussion. Uh, I had picked them a couple of years to win the Cup, and they underachieved, and maybe this is the way to do it. And that's the fly under the radar and make some noise. Uh, Nashville is back in the fray big time. They've won three in a row. Uh, They're only three points out of the playoffs. David Poyle is always active at the trade deadline. Uh, I think Nashville could be, you know, making the Zenyatta move from off the pace here, be a team to watch in the West. Yeah, three in a row, seven of ten for the Predators as they're kind of making that move. And, well, I mean, what do you do with the trade deadline? You know, obviously this weekend, and, and the schedule's kind of backloaded. Fortunately, there's only one game next Monday because I'm a big proponent of, in every league on trade deadline day, there should be zero games because, I mean, it's a very emotional day for a lot of people, guys realizing they have to move their families, leave friends, stuff like that. Fortunately, there's only one game next Monday, but there are a lot of games here Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So what's kind of your approach heading into the trade deadline? Well, I mean, we're throwing darts, you know, I mean, rumor mill, you know, how many of those things actually come to fruition? 
Um, you know, the crazy thing is, you think about the guys that are healthy scratches or the guys' names that have been out there in, in obvious situations because of cap or if they're a UFA. But I'm telling you, they're all walking around on eggs because especially a team that's going to go for it, if they're, if, like, like I said, like a Vegas, if, they, if they're going to swing for it and go for it, it's going to be, it could be a guy that's playing well. Because you, the thing is, you know, everybody says, oh, they should get rid of this guy and we want that guy. Yeah, well, that sounds great. You know, it takes two to tango. You got to give up something to get something. So even the guys that are playing well, they're actually the ones that are really living in fear because they know their team can get an army for them because they're playing well. No, how many teams? I mean, you can go around the league and probably on every team talk to their fan base or the people that cover them or whatever, and you would sit there and say, yeah, maybe two, maybe three guys on the team are untouchable. <laughs> That's every team in the league. Yeah, for sure. And and the thing of it is, too, you know, you've got a lot of teams there in the Metropolitan that are, are within striking distance. You obviously have the top two teams in the Atlantic Division, and right now it looks like both wild cards probably going to come from the Metro. But, you know, Toronto's got some things to figure out, particularly on defense. Florida's got some things to figure out. Buffalo's probably out of it right now, I would say. So maybe they're more of a seller than they are a buyer, but they still have a few games this week to kind of figure out where they're going to be. That's a tough thing too, is that it's enough pressure trying to gain ground, getting back into the playoff hunt if you've had a rough patch or got off to a slow start. But then you add more pressure of, if we don't play well this week, they're going to start trading that guy who sits next to me or that guy who's across the room from me. Guys say the right things. They say, well, it's a business and this and that, but they're human beings, man. I mean, this is a very, very dangerous week for the teams that don't exactly know where they stand. And the thing is, you don't want to give up hope on a season, but but how quickly things can change. I mean, I, it, it, you cited it, so I just, just to follow up on it, if Buffalo beats Ottawa and Toronto beats Pittsburgh tonight, two, I would say, realistic possibilities, uh, all of a sudden you'd be looking at Buffalo only six points behind the Leafs with a game in hand, and the Leafs have to play the Penguins again tomorrow. And then, you know, so Buffalo wins three, Toronto loses two, all of a sudden, oh, you're within three points or four points with 19 games to go. All of a sudden now the GM's brain changes, you know? Now, Buffalo loses to Ottawa, all of a sudden, you know, it's Kmart. It's a, it's a blue light special. Let's start selling guys left and right. Right. A lot of what's going to happen is going to be determined in these next three games for all these teams. Yeah. So, again, just playing with extra added pressure here. So that'll be something you definitely want to factor in to your handicapping. I mean, I don't know if it's something that would put me on a game or keep me off of a game, but it's something that's going to make me think. That's for sure. And, you know, obviously there's just a lot to think about here this week in the NHL. And next week we'll be able to talk about some of the trades that were done, talk about how they kind of impacted the futures market a little bit maybe impacted our thoughts on some of the teams uh, as well as an extended look there at the Tuesday night card, which I'm sure you'll be doing as well on your hockey betting podcast. Yep. And you know, the funny thing is I, this just popped in my head and I, maybe this would be a thing if Parker, it'd be impossible to find out, but it's funny, right? I mean, you're the baseball guy. Uh, when a guy's sitting on four ninety nine to hit 500 career home runs, right? Uh, and sometimes it takes 10, 12 games or something like that. And, and you're focused on the individual. Hero Vetchkin, you know, the Kenny, Kenny catch Gretzky, blah, blah, blah. But the big one, the, the, the carrot's right in front of him. 
He's gone scoreless in five games. He's at 698 to get to the 700 goal plateau. What's happened? The team is struggling. It's like they're all trying to set Ovechkin up all the time instead of playing their game. Well, and that's the thing where once he gets to 700, I mean, Look maybe out. Washington, they go on a run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's definitely a great thing to keep an eye on. And again, a lot of great things to keep an eye on right now in the NHL. We got some good things to keep an eye on this week over on the golf side of things as well. We've got not one, but two events this week. The WGC Mexico Championship is the premier one. Obviously, that is a World Golf Championships event. So you've got a massive $10.5 million purse. You've got a very, very strong field there. And you also have an alternate event, the Puerto Rico Open, a lesser event, fewer FedEx Cup points available, things of that sort. We'll talk about that tournament in a minute. But first, let's talk Mexico here, where you've got Rory and DJ and Rom, JT, Shawfle, Adam Scott, who's playing very well, Fleetwood, Simpson, Matsuyama, Deshambo, who you liked last week. He's at 22 to 1 here this week. Morikawa, all the good players down in Mexico. So another strong field there. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the event last week, Deshambo was there, and then on the weekend went in and had Joel Damon and Max Homa. Yeah, and all three of them are right there, and, and not one of them could kick the door down. And to Adam Scott's credit, he did. Um, but I think the same format's in play here. I, I think there's some guys you, you can shoot for the moon here and come back on Friday night. And don't forget, uh, this is an event where you can get a great player on Thursday night or Friday night because there is no cut. So in the WGC events, these guys can come from out of the clouds. Uh, you know, I, I'm price price hunting a little bit here, uh, as I always am. Uh, you know, McElroy Johnson played well last week. Of the three, I think John Rahm's probably the more consistent of the lot at this stage. Um, you, you look at Webb Simpson and Adam Scott, both at 18 to one. Both of those guys, the resurgence in their career, but it's taken three years to recover from the anchor putter that, that derailed them, but now they know how to putt. Uh, so they deserve full marks you know, for bouncing back in. I'll tell you, everybody will talk about, oh, Abraham Answer, uh, Mexico, uh, you know, the home court advantage, that kind of thing. Uh, I'll tell you, the other guy, 125 to one is Carlos Ortiz is actually playing some pretty good golf. And, you know, this kid's flying under the radar. Another guy I'm absolutely going to play at 80 to one uh, is Terrell Hatton. I think, you know, you look at these guys uh, that played Pebble Beach, uh, you know, then they went to L.A. and they played last week. Uh, Terrell Hatton's coming off the shelf. And he got that big win in the fall, uh, got his invitation to the Masters, uh, and the win jumped him in. You know, he, he's in firmly in the top 64. I think guys that uh, maybe you're a little fresh coming off last week are guys you could take. That was my that was my thought with DeChambeau last week, and he did. He played very, very well. He didn't play the week before, caught his breath, uh, worked on his game, and he was there contending at 60-1. to 1. I think the, the exact same thing uh, is in play for a guy like Terrell Hatton this week. Yeah, uh, Terrell Hatton, actually, I don't know if you knew this or not, but three top 20 finishes here since this tournament moved to Mexico in 2017. 19th last year, but third in 2018, 10th in 2017. So two top 10s, three top 20s for Hatton here in this event. Other guys that have played very well here, a guy that I know you like quite a bit last year, Rafael Cabrera Bayo. he's 75 to one. He's got a top 10 here. He was third in 2018, top 20 last year when he was 19th. Also, Sergio Garcia's got three top 15s here, including back-to-back top 10s. 
Didn't play all that well last week. He was a guy that I mentioned on the segment, wound up being 37th, but he likes this course, apparently. A lot of guys do play well in these WGC events that are world-class players. I think Sergio, maybe this week, coming back at him at 35-1 to is a pretty good look. And I'll give you one more grenade here. Uh, a guy that really uh, is consistently there, but it's a question of not imploding, you know, having the one or two holes that takes him out of a tournament. And, and believe me, that's part of it. I mean, that's Sung J.M.'s problem. But no way should uh, Ben on be 80-1. to 1. No way. Uh, this kid's got game, I believe, was it the – it was. It was the Waste Management Open. Wasn't he – in first place going into the weekend, I think he shot like a 65, 66. He's in pretty good current form. Uh, to me, Ben on should be in the, I mean, come on, Ben on or Jordan Spieth, you know, Spieth's a name. He's 55 to one. He should be 550 to one. Jordan Spieth was minus seven strokes gained in ball striking last week. I mean, he was just awful. I don't, what happened to that guy? How did he just fall it's, off? So it's dramatic? golf. It's golf. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. It, it listen. I'm telling you, Adam. All oh, the Tiger tied with Sam Snead, uh, Chase and Jacks majors. I'll tell you, the guy that had every bit as good a shot to do it was Tom Watson. Tom Watson, in his late 60s, is, is a better ball striker than two thirds of the guy on the PGA Tour today. Tom Watson got the yips. Tom Watson couldn't make a three foot putt to save his life. And, you know, he'd have had 20 majors the way he hits the golf ball. It's a weird game, man. Stuff, you know, it's all between the ears. Your, your brain's telling you one, your, your, you know, your brain's telling you to do something and, and the hands don't do what the brain's telling it to do. It's this crazy sport. And that, that's the other thing about this. Like a guy like John Rahm, he's there every week, uh, you know, but the majority, the vast majority of PGA Tour players have a three- to five-week form cycle. It's almost impossible to keep it together. So let me ask you about this. Speaking of guys and form cycles, Francesco Molinari is not in one. He's missed three straight cuts, three top 25 finishes here at this event, though, and he's going off at 125 to one. So this guy, very, very good player. We know he's won some very big-time tournaments in his career. Again, has played pretty well here, but he's not in good current form. Will that keep you off of a guy with a balloon number like that? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Um, sure. I, you know, I mean, I, I, yeah, the number, the number is so it's, telling so it's in that regard. about recent form for you. A lot yeah, of but, but I'm telling you where, where you, I think you find, can he say he figured it out on the range and go out and the guy's got back class and if he's in contention, he knows how to, you know, he's been there before. Can he kick the door down? Sure. But usually what I think you'll find out happening, Adam, is you'll see a guy that's just flailing around, shoots par, uh, one under, one over on Friday, and he gets the, the back nine Saturdays, 15 or 10 shots off the pace, and all of a sudden, bam, he shoots a 31 on the back nine and shoots 65 on Sunday. In the meat of a tournament, a guy figures something out. That's what I'm always looking for. So somebody that figured something out on the weekend – and play him the next week, and the result's still crummy for him the week before, but he figured it out inside the tournament, and the odds makers don't make the adjustment. 
So just to recap here for the WGC Mexico, I'm kind of looking at Sergio Garcia a little bit here in that 35 to one range. Rafael Cabrera Bayo, another one at 75 to one. You mentioned Terrell Hatton at 80 to one. Also Carlos Ortiz with that big 125 to one number. And like you said, a good opportunity here with a lot of world-class players to maybe pick up a couple of these guys you know, on Friday, maybe somebody like a Mark Leishman who's playing very, very well. Uh, didn't we play didn't play all that well last week, but you know, uh, yeah, I mentioned the three grenades. I'm playing four guys, and you said, "Oh, but you think you're playing four guys?" Well, that's the strategy. You're playing four guys that the average return on the investment is going to be in the thirty to one range, right? Uh, so you spread it out a little bit. But how do you not play Matt Kuchar? He's forty-five to one. He won in Mexico two years ago. He didn't tip the caddy. Uh, you know, he, he he's a different player now. He knows how to win now. He's always on the leaderboard. He's played well in Mexico before. He was literally right there on the weekend, all weekend long. Uh, the the Poana Greens got the best of a lot of these guys. Uh, the Kuchar's in great form at 45 to 1. I mean, seriously, you're telling me Matt Kuchar's 45 to 1 and Matsuyama's 20? How does that make any sense? I know Matsuyama had a good weekend. I, I don't know. So Kuchar's absolutely on my ticket. He's the lowest price I got. I got Kuchar, Carlos Ortiz, Terrell Hatton, and Ben on. Well, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things. Matsuyama is one of those guys where he can't I make mean, a the, butt. The statistical profile is gorgeous. The ball striking is awesome. He's good off the tee. And he just can't he just can't win. You know, like you said, can't it, put it, it in the hole. Yeah, it's it's a it's a putting thing. I mean, I and and look, I mean, I'm not a golf expert handicapper by any means. I like to talk about it. I think it's a fun market that provides a lot of, of opportunity. I mean, people just light money on fire with that guy every week because the stats are there and he just can't finish one off. But it is amazing to me as I look at the odds board here. I mentioned all the big names, you know, Rory, DJ, so on and so forth. Matsuyama and Deshambo here, 22 to 1. Then a big gap to guys like Morikawa, Ustazen, who's always good in strong fields, Sergio at 35 to 1. B- big gap here between you know that, that first tier of the short 6 to 1, 10 to 1 guys, the second tier of 16 to 22, and that massive gap to the 30 plus, 35 plus crowd. I think there's some value here in this tournament this week. I really do. Yeah, no, I, I, like I said, I, I, I think weekly, unless you're all in on a guy, I, I think. Um... You know, I think it's like a restrictor plate race. You know, in golf, you're always looking to, to find the, the longer shot. And then you can get the name guy uh, who's four or five back heading into the weekend at a price bigger than they were uh, at the start of the tournament. You know, I mean, maybe say John Rahm is five shots back on Friday night. Instead of him being 10 to one, you're getting John Rahm at 18 to one. That's the way to play golf when you're betting it, I think. All right, we got one other event to touch on real quickly here. This one certainly doesn't have uh, anywhere near the fanfare or the type of field as the WGC Mexico. But, you know what, maybe there are still some good opportunities here in Puerto Rico for the Puerto Rico Open at Cocoa Beach. A Tom Kite design here in this one. Uh, your favorite is Victor Hovland at 10-1. to 1, And Victor Hovland's a guy that's been kind of knocking on the door for a long time in a standard event, maybe he wins the alternate one here. Alex Noren, the second favorite, 16-1. to 1. Very good European tour player. Mixed bag on the U.S. side, uh, the North American side, I should say. Patrick Rogers, Tom Lewis, Scott Brown, guys like that here in this field. 
Anybody that you're taking a look at here in Puerto Rico? Uh, a lot of times, these tournaments down in Bermuda and Puerto Rico, really windy. And so you look for ball strikers. Um, I think Scott Brown, by the way, had a, gr- a great weekend in L.A. Um, so you could take a look at him with current form of 22-1 to 1 coming in. Uh, you know, Martin Laird, 41, is the name I'd, I'd take a look at with back class. Another guy, I think, and I could be wrong, maybe it's Sam Burns. It's Sam Ryder at 70 to 1, I was looking. But I think Fabian Gomez shows up at, at some of these underling tournaments. And the other guy, 65 to 1, for whatever reason, you know, kicking the door down is a completely different animal. But this is the, when these, on these second tier events, Alex Chayka always shows up on the leaderboard. Alex Chayka at 65 to 1. He's a Vegas based golfer. Um, in every blue moon, he shows up on the big stage, but he seems to always contend in the second tier tournaments. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, again, you know, you kind of look for some wind guys. So there are a few European tour guys that are coming over and playing this one that, you know, if the wind does kick up, which is certainly a possibility, maybe those are some of the types of guys you want to look at, like a Martin Laird type of guy. Um, you know, Chesson Hadley's in this thing. He's won this before. Bo Hostler's a guy that usually has decent statistics, but you know, he oh, winds I, up playing here. I know where you're going. You got one. I know you do. I do see I it. have one? Yeah. Peter Uline. Yeah. I mean, Peter Uline could be an interesting one here at 50 to 1. A U.S. born player, but he plays a lot of European tour events. And the fact that he's, you know, in a field like this kind of makes it pretty interesting. Uh Bryce Garnett is a guy that I think. He won one of those alternate events, too, in, in one of these island types of courses. Uh, he's a guy that kind of plays well with the wind. I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's kind of an older player. And I think a lot of times, too, I sort of like to look at the older guys in some of these vacation destination events. Just because for whatever reason, they tend to play well here. We talk about guys like Pat Perez in Mexico, stuff like that. Those coastal courses, like the older guys that maybe don't hit it as far, kind of like to play those types of tournaments. And of the favorites... I mean, yeah, Norrin, I get it, you know. But Hovland, I mean, it's ridiculous prices they keep throwing out on Hovland. How about he wins one first? Uh, but Tom Lewis at 22-1 to 1 is the guy that won the Corn Ferry Tour. And then he had this decision. Okay, he made it. And he qualified for the PGA Tour. Or is he going to play in Europe? Is he, no, he has options. Well, the guy actually started out playing a lot over in Europe and was invisible for a while. But Tom Lewis is starting to show up on leaderboards again on the European tour. Of the guys, I mean, Scott Brown comes in in good form, but of the guys in that 20-to-1 range, Tom Lewis might be uh, the guy uh, that could handle this field. Bryce Garnett, not actually an older guy. He's 36, but he won the Corrales Punta Cana Resort Championship in 2018. So uh, at least I was right about that. But he is one of those guys that doesn't necessarily hit it all that far, but you know, kind of plays within the fairways and you just sort of methodically plods along the course. Maybe that's the type of guy that you want to take a look at here this weekend. All right, so with that, we talked some NASCAR here to finish up the show. And in fact, they're out in Vegas, out in your neck of the woods here. Boyd Gaming 300 is the Xfinity Series event on Saturday. You've got the uh, Pennzoil 400 coming up here on Sunday. And uh, my only hope for this race is that we don't get a horrific crash at the end of it because... My God, that was terrifying last night. Yeah, that's uh, and, and you knew it was bad. Uh, you know, when the cars go airborne, uh, and, and Newman was exposed, the car was upside down, and it wasn't the doors that got hit; it was the window. And I mean, and that was uh, Lejoy, I believe. 
uh, you know, going 200 miles an hour, hit him flush in the window. Um, so thankfully, uh, yeah, that, you know, when, when that ended and then there, there was a good two hour window when nobody said anything and you're, you're fearing for the worst. So thankfully it sounds like Newman's going to be okay. Um, uh, that's restrictor plate racing, man. It, it was, uh, I'm watching this thing. I, I, I had matchups and parlays and, 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 you know, one fell swoop. I, every guy I had got wiped out in the big one, but that's why you play it because the big one can produce a result, but the result is Hamlin wins the thing. Uh, you know, beats Blaney by about three inches. Uh, but this is more parade through town when you get to the mile and a half tracks. Uh, the racing's a lot better in Vegas now since they've redone the track. Um, but literally what happens as the race unfolds, it'll get whittled down to the, there'll be three probably max. But and you can say three to five contenders, but pretty much halfway through that race, it's it's down to three or four guys unless somebody goes with some ridiculous alternate pit strategy but that probably there's three cars that will just be the the class of the field that's usually what happens uh you know the, the, from a betting perspective i like kislowski at six to one kyle bush uh kevin harvick martin truex kind of the favorites i, I like i like kislowski legato, legato man this guy just takes everybody out I, I it's amazing and he just keeps doing it and no very rarely does anybody get retribution take him out. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, you know, it's uh, some guys, uh, you know, I guess we could call it racing aggressively, but this one is a little bit earlier in the year here, February 23rd, as opposed to this race always being in March, except for February or, uh, 2010, it was February 28th. So, you know, it will be nice, uh, hopefully, this weekend for you out there in Las Vegas, but this race a little bit earlier. There are some schedule changes things of that sort, but Penske tends to run pretty well here. Keselowski's got two. Logano got the one last year. Harvick's got a couple of wins here recently. Uh, we know Martin Truex, very good on one-and-a-half-mile tracks. Kyle Busch, you know, the Vegas native, he hasn't won here since 2009, at least in this spring race uh, out in Las Vegas. So, you know, a lot of different guys, a lot of shorter prices here. When, when you get the shorter prices, Brian, when you don't have the uncertainty of a plate race, are you still looking the outright route or are you looking more at matchups or maybe the highest finisher in a group type thing? Well, matchups. And then uh, there's the, the group matchups where you basically whittle the field down and it would be a group matchup. And, you know, I, they haven't put them up yet, but I mean, the group matchup could be uh, Bush versus Kyle Bush versus Harvick, Truex and Kislowski. Uh, and every guy in there would be plus 225 to plus $3. So you you can whittle it down to I'm just I'm gonna take I'm gonna play three guys instead of them playing against it to to win the race, uh and, and and bleed it out that way. But I think you find real opportunities when you get down to the group F, you know, and you could have a Chris Busher versus Ricky Stenhouse and Daniel Suarez kind of thing. So yeah, you can do your homework and then it's kind of the race uh, within the race that goes off there. One guy I'm looking at, and. You know, the, the numbers probably telling you something. And it's and, and very odd that in a mile and a half track, something as goofy as this could happen. But I don't I don't see any reason uh, Eric Almirola is at 80 to 1. Uh, Eric Almirola, I think, uh, is going to have a good year. Uh, if I was going to take a home run shot, it uh, wouldn't be the worst couple of bucks I ever burned on El- Eric Almirola. And by the way, Jimmy Johnson is, you know, every – Everything we're hearing, and yesterday's restrictor plate racing, 
Um, but it's his final go round. Uh, and he was really, he was a lot more competitive at the end of last year. I mean, it's a leap of faith, but Jimmy Johnson at 40 to one, uh, you see him hanging around being, being in the hunt. And if, if something stupid happens, maybe you get a run for your money. Brian blessing, the host of Sportsbook radio and Vegas hockey hotline. Brian, how can people check out those two shows of yours? Oh, thank you, Adam. Uh, yeah. Noon to two weekdays, specific time, KSHP.com. I archive the shows at sportsbookradio.com. We get the top sportsbook directors. Today's Tony Tuesdays. Tony's Tuesdays. We get Tony Neville from Treasure Island, Tony Miller from Golden Nugget. Uh, I go out and do the shows at Sunset Station on Fridays. We got hockey watch parties out at Sunset Station. If you're in town, we'll be out there this Sunday with, uh, with a hockey watch party. We're doing a March Madness seminar the Tuesday of March Madness out at Sunset Station if you're in town. Vegas Hockey Hotline is 1 to 2 p.m. Uh, it, it, yes, a lot of Golden Knights talk, but really it's all about going all around the league. Bill Foley, the Golden Knights owner, is going to come in the studio on Wednesday. Always appreciate when Bill takes time, and it's a, a great time to get him. They're getting the AHL team coming in here. Uh, they made a coaching change. We've got the trade deadline coming up, so that'll be on Wednesday's show. But for hockey fans, I think you really like it. It's a, it's a good, uh, really good hockey show. And, of course, there's the, the betting component to it as well. And the Hockey Betting Podcast you can get on my Twitter account, at Brian Blessing, or go to betchriscanada.net. Well, make sure you follow Brian on Twitter, at Brian Blessing. I'm sure we'll have some videos over on our Bang the Book YouTube page this week uh, as well. Maybe a look at this NASCAR race out yep. in Las Vegas, a look at the golf tournaments this weekend. So, and you're coming, and you're coming. Eventually. Well, come on. I, every week I ask you, when are you coming? Eventually. <laughs> so, sooner rather Soon. Than later. Soon. Oh. So, uh, by the way, have you ever been here? Uh, you have, you probably. Yes, I've been there. I, no, have, yeah. have you been here for March Madness? No, never done March Madness. Oh, but that's Adam. That's you got to do it. Now, I, honestly, of, of all the things that go on here, it's it's not even close. Throw the Super Bowl out the window. I've been telling you, the Thursday and Friday of March Madness out here, it's the nuts. It's the two best days of the year. It's spectacular. Uh, a lot of the places. I'll, I'll in fact, I'll be at. Uh, the Golden Nugget Grand Ballroom, Oscar Goodman, and the showgirls are coming, and I'll do the radio shows there. It's so much fun. Games going off, half time, second half starts. Uh, I mean, they, they got table games, you know what I mean? It's like the games are going off. I mean, there's just this palpable buzz. Thursday, Friday, the two best days of the year ever in Las Vegas. Make plans next year to come for that. I mean, eventually I will. It's kind of a busy time of the year. You know, you got March Madness. You got all this stuff you got to cover with that. I got Major League Baseball. It starts not too far we after that. We put a man on the moon. You have a computer. I will, have a I've phone. never been on the moon. <laughs> I'm telling you as a friend. Come on out here. You'll love it. All right. One of these years I will. You're, can, I, uh, can I sleep on your back patio that you record the show on? Yeah, Cleveland's great that time of year. <laughs> Ryan Blessing once again Sportsbook Radio Vegas Hockey Outline Sportsbookradio.com KSHP.com at Brian Blessing on Twitter appreciate your time as always man thank you so much and we'll talk to you again next week alright buddy have a good day there you go there's Brian Blessing again at Brian Blessing on Twitter Sportsbookradio.com KSHP.com over on our Bang the Book YouTube page and pretty much everywhere else you want to look for him Coming up on our Wednesday edition of the show, we'll chat with professional handicapper Brian Leonard from wagertalk.com. We'll talk some baseball and some NBA as that finally gets back underway here on Thursday night. And we'll also chat with Wes Reynolds of VSIN about week three in the XFL. Talk some golf stuff with him as well.
That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.